0: Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Skye Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back everyone. Today we are diving into Marie's incredible story. One that beautifully illustrates the profound transformation that took place following her unplanned, intervention-free physiological birth in the hospital. In her first pregnancy and birth, Marie found herself consumed by anxiety and fear. She willingly handed over her power to the professionals following their guidance and even entertaining the idea of a planned caesarean or induction but an unexpected turn of events changed everything. At 36 weeks, her waters broke, and on arrival to the hospital, she was placed in a small room due to how busy they were, feeling abandoned as she waited for a more suitable space. Little did she know that this challenging situation would turn out to be an unexpected gift. With only her husband by her side, she could labor undisturbed. When they finally secured a room for her, Marie called her son shortly after. After an empowering moment that shattered her preconceived notions about childbirth. This moment became the catalyst for her journey of unlearning Marie's conscious conception of her daughter marked a new beginning determined to approach her pregnancy differently. She chose to take each day as it came avoiding unnecessary medical interventions that had marred her first experience Fearful of re-entering the system given her higher BMI and prior experience of excessive testing, she was instead led by her intuition and the knowledge she'd gained on childbirth. This time around, she opted for a free birth at home with only her husband by her side. Marie's journey is a testament to the power of self-discovery, intuition, and the unlearning of societal birth norms. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: No, thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting.
0: Could you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am Marie and I am originally from Adelaide, but since 2020, I've been living in Newcastle, New South Wales, Um, and I really, really like it here. Um, So we're going to (laughs) stay. We have a house here now. and I've got a lovely husband and two little ones, um, a boy, uh, Wallace, and my daughter's just been born, little Pixie. Oh,
0: I love those
1: names, Wallace <laughs> and Pixie. How beautiful. Yeah, my husband chose them. No one will believe me, but oh. he did.
0: <laughs> he definitely did. Yep. Oh, that's beautiful. So were they planned conceptions?
1: Uh, yes. Well, the sec- uh, Pixie was, um, that we'll speak about her, I think, more today, but her mm. birth, uh, her she was consciously conceived mm-hmm. um just before she was conceived mm-hmm. and wallace we always knew well, the night we met we named him so <laughs> um i don't know how conscious that was but i think he knew he was coming at some point
0: oh i think that's very conscious if that's the first night you met wow yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah that's, that's pretty
0: amazing
1: yeah it's been a really amazing journey so say.
0: how long after you guys did meet did you have wallace
1: uh, I think two, two and a half years. Okay. Three years, yep. Um, we, yeah, two and a half, three years, we'd moved to Newcastle and the world was ending, you know, um, with COVID uh, and I think even though we were sort of in the beginning stages of a, of a relationship, um, <laughs> we went, oh, we can't go to Europe, we may as well just have, have our Wallace um, mm-hmm. and we did, <laughs> we certainly did. <laughs>
0: How beautiful and so was there anything you did in the lead up to that pregnancy to get prepared
1: no um no I didn't actually um I um we're both quite fertile um I know <laughs> I know everyone sort of wonders like when you haven't had a child you know oh, we'll just go off um, contraception and see what happens um within like a days I was pregnant um, that time and I didn't do anything to prepare at all I in fact I didn't know anything about birth or myself or anything for that um that pregnancy and um yeah it was just amazing like it was a bit of a fluke but I was um you know I was really excited and happy but I didn't do really any um, notable prep that I did when we consciously conceived our daughter yeah okay. so they were it was a different um, preconception stage mm-hmm. um, and then which ultimately led me to you know the most amazing birth with um, Pixie but yeah so I didn't do anything I'm sorry to, no, that's to fine. that birth um, but Yeah, I don't know if we want to touch on his birth.
0: Yeah, definitely. Let's start with your pregnancy. How was that experience?
1: Um, Really stressful um, and I I was really anxious when I was pregnant with him um, and super stressed because I was a relatively healthy woman of 32. No sort of complications in my life but um, health-wise, I conceived really quickly and I just thought that, you know, I would have a baby. I hadn't really thought much about it, but um, I'll never forget my 12-week appointment with him, the midwife um, at the local public hospital. She said, oh, have you thought about the birth? You know, we've got these options. There was a birth centre here. You know, there were home birth options. And I remember looking at her and being like, what What do you mean? Like, no, um, I'm going to have the epidural. Thanks. Like <laughs> that's all I knew about birth. That's really all I knew about birth. And then my pregnancy was really hard because there were things that I, you know, in hindsight, they weren't a problem, but I thought that they were big problems. You know, I was over 30. Um, I had a higher BMI, not a crazy one, but a higher one. Um, I was tested for gestational diabetes three times. In that pregnancy, um, I had a couple of bleeds, so they were kind of very insistent that I would have be looking at a, a cesarean section um, at 28 weeks when I had a bleed for a low-lying placenta. So my pregnancy was really quite stressful, um, I will say, mm-hmm. and I didn't do any prep. Um, and this sounds like a horrible story where, um, you know, I'm going to have this horrible birth, But what I think makes me a little bit um, unique, not special, because I'm definitely not special. I'm just biologically normal, I think. But Mm. um, I really did struggle in the pregnancy and I was really shocked of how much I didn't know about myself. Mm. But then um, at 36 and 5, if we can jump straight to that birth. Um, my waters broke just like mm. they said that they wouldn't um, yeah and again you know now that I know what I know you go oh my gosh don't go to the hospital you know it might make it worse like with with your waters breaking but the hospital was full <laughs> and they were not um, ready for a spontaneous rupture of membranes um, they were like okay cool that's like the movies we're gonna put you in a shower cubicle because we're too busy Mm. for that um and at the time I was like because when my waters broke this amazing rush of endorphins like after this anxious anxious pregnancy my waters broke and I was like giddy there was just this amazing like feeling throughout my body almost like a hyper feeling, like a high feeling. And I was like, Oh my gosh, well, we better ring the hospital. And the hospital was like, Well, what colour is it? And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. I meant to look at the colour of the of the um the waters. And, you know, and I'm like, Oh, it's it's fine. It's normal. And they're like, okay, we'll head down to the hospital head which I did but they were full so I went into a little shower curtain cubicle and I was just giggling and laughing at how much fluid there was Mm -hmm. like I was stark contrast from my from my pregnancy um and then I did feel like it was a really unusual position because I was put next to um you know women who come in for like other appointments or Mm. um reduced fetal movement or things like that. And you know, I'd started to pass wind and like things were sort of happening <laughs> down there and I was like <laughs> laughing. I thought it was hilarious. Um and then time progressed, you know, two or three hours progressed and I wasn't laughing anymore. I was kind of like, can someone get me a room? Yeah. So
0: um, you were getting like, consistent surges I, at that point? Yeah,
1: I was getting surges, you know, and they really just started off like, you know, like they say, mild period cramps and then um, they were intensifying, so two, three hours, four hours go past, and I'm it's still in this shower cubicle area, you know, like a waiting room mm. type thing. And I'm like, my husband's going out there. Can someone like, because I thought someone would come and check me or something. Yeah. I'm waiting, you know, for someone to roll out the the epidural red carpet, essentially. But they were busy, and at the time, I felt really abandoned. But in hindsight, it was just. A blessing because I was able to sort of progress normally typically biologically normally Mm. the surges increased increased um till um I was quite loud and vocal I contract they finally were like okay we've got a room we found a room I've contracted three or four times on the way to the room you know and not unable to work walk we get into the um the the birth room the birthing room at the hospital you know it's just just a big room um I use the shower for a bit and then I say I have to push and they go no 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 we we haven't checked you and I just laughed I was like a maniac I was just laughing at them (laughs) like what do you mean like I'm like can't you feel what I'm feeling like yes the contractions and the surges were intense you know when they were when I was having a contraction I was running around and yelling things like where's my epidural like where are the drugs haven't we evolved past this and then the surge would come back down um but the laughter I think just took my I'll never forget that I need a push no no we need to check you and I just was like cackling laughing like hunched (laughs) over just like running around this tiny room and then I just pulled him out I was like okay I'm just gonna and they were like Stunned because you know you've got to have two um, two midwives. It was the public system. It wasn't the midwife program. I didn't even know that that was an option. Like this is how much I didn't know about birth, but my body did, mm. and it was as like as fairy tale as it sounds. It was magnificent, the feeling of me pulling him out and up onto me and then the room was just hushed quiet and I said, you know, I've been waiting for you and it was just the most profound moment and it was like again, 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 like I want to do that again. I just couldn't believe how amazing it was. Like you hear stories but it was. It was so amazing and then – like, oh, I have to take a breath because like even going back to that moment, like I can remember there was probably a lot more adrenaline in that birth because of where I was Mm. Um, and I think that that made me even more sort of high on uh, on that birth high after. Um, But, yeah, that was I guess what led me then down the path of, um, you know, embracing birth and having um, a, a more conscious conception
0: Second time the next around.
1: time, the yeah. second time around. Um, I wasn't, you know, sort of um, my my Pixie's birth was a free birth. So it's obviously very different to sort of presenting at your local public hospital to whoever's on duty. But it did start my journey because I, I didn't do a lot of prep. Um, I remember <laughs> during one contraction with Wally's birth, I had maybe started to go down, you know, the home birth or the the um, the birthing center path because I remember during a contraction just going, you know, f that birthing center. Who could do that there? You know, like (laughs) because you know, I was like, I could never do that. I could never. How you know? Why did I even think I could do that? Um, So I did. I I did say that in in one of my contractions, you know, in that little waiting room. But, yeah, it was just – it was amazing. And that is important because –
0: It showed you what you were capable of.
1: Yeah. And, like, that – yes, it was intense and there were bits that hurt. And But, like, I – you know, I cry when I get my eyebrows waxed. I don't go to the gym. Like, you know, I'm not this strong – you know I thought you just had to be this strong warrior you know Amazon woman Mm. but here I was like on this birth high going you know that was that was great I want to do that again I could do that every day of the week like let's let's go so it was a really um yeah positive birth but um yeah and that's what led me I guess to finding out all things birth all things conscious conception I guess that happens to so many women like they their first birth kind of awakens them to yeah what's possible
0: that awakening yeah totally so in the lead up to wallace's birth what was the plan so before you went in before you went into spontaneous labor were you planning to get a cesarean
1: um, we it had been discussed at, so I had a bleed at the 28 week. So I was in the public system. And again, another blessing in disguise, I think I'd always thought that I was going to be in the private system, but I didn't have, you know, that level of healthcare at that time. I hadn't had it long enough. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was in the unknown. I think if I was in the private system with the amount of anxiety that I had throughout the pregnancy, I would have probably agreed to anything um, that they suggested. And the midwife, when I had the second bleed in Wallace's um, pregnancy, um, the midwife said, you've got third degree low lying placenta, like placenta previa.
0: Um,
1: That's a cesarean. And I was crying, and I was like, "No, no, no! Like, I don't, I don't want a cesarean. Like, that did scare me, you know, the, the being cut open. I guess, like that, I didn't, I wasn't, I just, I don't know. It was such a weird thing because I was like, "No, no, I don't want that." And she, like, she said, like, "Oh, prove me wrong, you know. I've been doing this for twenty five years. Wow. Prove me wrong." And I, and, and I saw did. a
0: difference. <laughs>
1: I did like I think about her all the time because she was really matter of fact but I did and I saw a different midwife you know every appointment because I wasn't in a consistent program I didn't know about doulas really like I I didn't um so I guess I was just um you know would go with the flow with what Mm. you know whatever they suggested I really did think that they that they knew best um and I absolutely would have outsourced so I think I just um, at 36 and 5, it, it is quite early for a first-time mum, so I didn't expect that to happen, you know. I guess I probably in my head I imagined, you know, at some point they would offer me an induction, mm-hmm. probably due to varying factors throughout the pregnancy. I, I also grew a tumour in my arm. It was not related, but there were just all these weird things that um, came up throughout my pregnancy with Wally That any one of them could have been used, I think. Yeah. And if someone had offered me, you know, if I was still pregnant at 38, 39, 40 weeks and someone had said, do you want an induction because, you know, you've got a tumour in your arm or because you had two bleeds throughout your pregnancy or because you're slightly overweight or, you know, or because you're 32 or because you've got high blood pressure at this appointment, I didn't. But, you know, like I feel like if that had been offered, that was probably what was going to happen mm. to me. And I hadn't, like it sounds, if you know me now, like it sounds so strange, but I didn't really think about it. I wasn't scared at birth, but I just thought, you know, someone would direct me along the way. Yeah. Um, what I didn't realise is it was going to be my son mm. who was going to be like, well, I'm going to break the water. <laughs> We're going to do this now. Mm. And, the hospital is going to be full and I'm going to do this pretty quickly for a first-time mum and earlier and have zero complications when I come out. So, wow.
0: So he was fine when he came out?
1: Yeah, they had, gave him an APGAR score of nine and wow. he was totally fine. Like, And, and then I realised, so what I did learn was that in the labour, during the labour and then immediately postpartum in the hours that followed, you know Wallace and I have never been separated we didn't just have the golden hour they were too busy with whatever else was happening you know that that night i was left alone again after with him on my chest for hours and hours which again at the time i felt quite abandoned now i'm like whoa but what i learned was that not only did my body have like you know there was no tears there was no Um, bleeding I did have a managed third stage like I had the Pitocin injection um, for the placenta release again I didn't know anything about that they just did that Mm -hmm. Um, and I I didn't have any complications so I kind of learned that I wasn't a high priority you know there wasn't really any variations of normal that warranted you know people in my room tending to me I was really just left alone so I kind of yeah. At the time, I found it horribly. I, I did feel really abandoned. I wanted someone to sort of prop me up with pillows and be like, "You did it! Like you've got a baby. Yeah. Let's," you know. And you know that didn't happen um, at all. But what it taught me was that in terms of birthing my three point two kilo son at thirty six and five, I like it was fine. You
0: were like, fine. Was, you did it. It was like, and you didn't fine. need anybody. Like you thought you needed all of these professionals but you didn't. You just needed yourself, yeah. Because
1: now like, you know, and you hear women that if their waters break, you know, you don't have to go anywhere Mm. um, because, you know, and I I didn't even know that there was a time limit for that. Mm. You know, like now I know if you present at the hospital, you've got, you know, 24 hours or whatever it is to to go into labour yourself um i didn't know that at the time like if i had gone in and they were it was a like a quiet day i would have probably done what i would have there's no question i would have done every anything that they suggested
0: your birth would have looked completely different
1: would have been and if i didn't start contracting i guess within the hour and and progressing um you know textbook standardly then that i think i i would have been another another statistic but totally. for whatever reason i do think that my son was showing me showing me that i was super capable mm. and yeah it was wow. i was super lucky so <laughs> but lucky. um yeah. you know there was a lot of unlearning that yeah. then came after that um and like it, i wish i could be like straight out i was like yeah i'm invincible i can do anything but i did i did um I'd let, I had a lot of, I had a very medicalized pregnancy mm-hmm. um, and they had, you know, I was having liver scans and gallbladder scans and all kinds of things that, you know, I just, I don't wish I hadn't done them, but I kind of then, you know, it was then discovered, I was then put on um, contraception, you know, as we all are. Well, maybe not all of us, um, but you know, at our six week appointment, the the um, talk about contraception happens, and I was given the mini pill, which then um, gave me liver lesions. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so there was this whole sort of unlearning of like, I guess, I, I do, you know, I'm, I had have respect for doctors and and. People and I was just kind of like, hang on a second, you know, why, why is this so medicalized? You know, why is this so routine for everyone? You know, why, why are there different um, GTT results numbers in different states? You know, why, are the, why is this state testing for this? You know, I, I'm from Adelaide, so I had family members and friends in Adelaide who were pregnant, and you know, the differences in the systems. It was just, it really just planted these, like, questions and not, you know, full – I just was like, hang on, <laughs> if, if I can just go in the hospital and give birth, you know, what what what's, ha- like, what's happening a little bit? So mm. even though I was like, wow, this is – and I wanted to give birth, you know, I so badly wanted to have another baby and, like, um, have this amazing birth experience, but I think I needed to go down this path of, like, hang on, let's just – learn a bit about birth <laughs> learn yeah. about physiological birth learn about you know my instagram feed you know turn to these beautiful women you know your podcast having um beautiful home births and having water births you know mm. i i had said at the 12 week appointment with wallace i'm not a peasant you know what do you mean? I'm not gonna. I I said that to her. You know how you know how are we not evolved past this. You know what mm. I had to really unlearn all of these massive societal things that I don't know. Like not that these people were lying or like you mm. know, but that birth birth wasn't this. I don't know medicalized medical kind yeah of, it was this life changing, you know, amazingly can be this just a transformational positive journey. Like how many women? I didn't know any women, women I, that go, "Oh my God, giving birth was the best day." Like that was yeah. that was amazing. I had never heard anyone say that, and now I am that person. That's like, wow. oh my gosh, like. Let, let me hear your story, like your positive story. Like my, my, I have a cleaner postpartum, and she's beautiful. And she said to me this morning, "You're the only person I know that that talks this way about birth." I feel like I'm the <laughs> only one. I'm like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> like, you know, th- that's why this podcast and like is so important because like yeah. there are these beautiful stories, like, and these learnings. So yeah, that's yeah. my long answer to your question. Yeah. Like, I had to unlearn, I had to unlearn, and then relearn, and then yeah
0: so what did that process look like for you on your journey of unlearning everything that you thought you knew about birth you know like what were some of the resources that you turned to at that time of your journey like did you read books podcasts you know did you do a hypnobirthing course that kind of thing
1: actually I did get a lot of books I did buy a lot of books Mm -hmm. um uh I I didn't do hypnobirthing um we have a um a quite a big birth community here in Newcastle. There are a lot of doulas and Mm -hmm. um, there's like a centre. And so I started going to like birth story circles Mm -hmm. and I just started connecting with other women who supported other women and and I did find a few people that had had really positive um, experiences and it's interesting, you know, now that I've had a free birth, most people I know that have had a free birth had a home birth, first with a midwife. Mm. And I'm like the odd one out because I'm like, oh, I, I had a hospital birth. But so there was a really good community here. So I, I did connect uh, and I still am <laughs> trying to build that little village mm. here um, awesome. to utilize that. And I, yeah, read lots of books.
0: <laughs> Amazing. And you had, you ended up having a wild pregnancy with your daughter?
1: I did. I did okay. have a wild I did have a wild pregnancy, which I soon realised that was almost the more radical part of mm-hmm. my journey well, and, and there is, you know, I'm a very open-minded and very like, you know, I've done the work so there's not much that anyone can say to me that will upset me or and like I read this thing the other day about, you know, that how free birth is like a trauma response and there is a slight element of um, – you know the jump that I didn't want to have all these appointments throughout my pregnancy where I was faced with you know turning down scans or turning down diabetes testing in particular that one stood out to me because I was tested for it three times and they really with my first pregnancy they really wanted me to have it it seemed Mm, (laughs) and I was like I just didn't want to be put in a scenario where I had to constantly defend my choices and I and I understand that, that you know, that's a drastic measure to have and, you know, maybe I should have worked on my people-pleasing skills a bit more. Like I certainly acknowledge that but I really just – I had the mindset when I was I – I conceived her, you know, and I, I knew that I conceived her and we were away. And I was like if I feel the need to, to get a midwife or go to the doctor or – go to the hospital, I'll go there. Mm. Like it wasn't this sort of all or nothing. It was like I'll just see how I feel today. Yeah. And if I feel differently tomorrow, then I – and then I did that like every day of the pregnancy. I was like, well, how do I feel today? And, you know, I knew I, – I felt really deeply connected to Pixie before she was born. And mm. so I just kind of – that and I, I did do – I did a sovereign birth course which actually talked a lot about death and I know that that can be really confronting for a pregnant woman Um, but it was kind of light and the work I did was more around, you know, that there was no – this was either going to be be like a a baby or – it's not her time. Mm. Like, and that sounds really morbid and, you know, people often would ask questions, not to me, but like, you know, at what, at what gestation would you birth at home? You know, at what point would you go to a hospital and all of this? But it was kind of deeper than that, if that makes sense. Mm. I really felt by that stage that I was very in tune with my body. Um, I was going to conceive a daughter, a um, daughter my body had flipped from, you know, a white moon cycle to a red moon cycle, mm-hmm. which initially weirded me out because I was like, oh, no, I need to conceive, you know, on the mother cycle. Um, but there was just so much prep and trust that was in my body that I was kind of like if I need to do something or if I want to do something, that's my choice and, like, I would know. Yeah. And I just didn't. <laughs> I just didn't. Yeah. So um, –
0: you were led by your intuition.
1: I really, I really was, and I had done a lot of work around, you know, what is anxiety and what is intuition because mm. I was absolutely clinically anxious in my last pregnancy. Pregnancy, There is no question. They would write anxiety on every form and put pluses next to it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, when I look at his, like, antenatal records, like, I look at that, and I was because I would just be crying in, mm. in their office while they were telling me not, really that scary things but also they felt really scary so Mm. i just would check in um the same thing applied with um i guess getting a doula or a birth keeper i just had this knowing that i would birth or uh, alone or i would labor alone and that goes back to my first labor where i was by myself and undisturbed my husband was there but if you asked me what he was doing (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm sure he was there, but like yeah. I didn't really like it's not that I didn't need him. Like of course I he, I want, you know, I welcome him being in that space absolutely, but I didn't really need him if that makes mm. sense. Like he was there, that probably, you know, feels good in my brain to know that he is somewhere in the room, <laughs> but I I don't know what he was doing and that so for this this, um, birth, I was like, no, no, I'm going to probably do it by myself. I would like to do it at nighttime so that I can put my son to bed. And then when he would wake up, um, <laughs> I wouldn't oh, have baby. to worry about him. Yeah. yeah. So that was a really consistent, like thought throughout the, um, the pregnancy, but it also extended to my husband that maybe, he, cause I needed him to stay with my son. You know, we do bed shares, the, he's a pretty good sleeper now, but you know if i was loud or or that um i would want my husband to comfort my son you know in bed and keep that all nice and normal and then they could both come out and i'd have a baby yeah. you know yeah. i didn't really think too much about it but i was pretty sure that that was how it was going to go mm. <laughs> i was pretty sure and yeah the the days just kept ticking along and i would constantly check in with her and with my oh. growing belly she was super active i think that Um, helped a little bit Mm -hmm. she was very very active from about 20 weeks and didn't stop or change so that was always quite reassuring Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I just took it one one day at a time yeah
0: so you've made that decision that you're going to free birth were there any fears that came up during that time for you or your husband
1: yeah this is another weird one I tend to get anxious about things that don't really matter. Um, I don't know if that's a special kind of anxiety. But um, I went to – I was pretty sure that I was going to free birth, um, but I hadn't – I was maybe going to have a um, an, a midwife for, like after an antenatal midwife, private midwife. That was sort of the plan. But in my area, um, they're really becoming hard to find. So – I. It was about halfway through the pregnancy where I realised that not there weren't really any private midwives left who would just do you know prenatal care and antenatal care um, and by that stage I was sort of listening to podcasts around I, I guess the medicalization of all midwives and I was a bit nervous that maybe they wouldn't be as okay with me declining scans as maybe they they appeared mm. so I just kind of and also in my world like we're all very intelligent women but i feel like not many people like i'm a teacher and i went to work every day of my pregnancy and i talked about birth and things but i don't think people actually realize that you can um free birth yeah and also why would you want to like i understand that notion as well so not many people really asked me about it so i didn't really get to talk i talked about it with my husband a lot and he was super supportive um, mainly because he knows that I wouldn't do anything to you know that was reckless or to harm my children. Mm-hmm. that he would trust my decision. So he was on board. But I think if I'd talked to more people about my plans, um, maybe that I would have got some stories. like you always get the horror stories when you're pregnant, but um, yeah, I think the point for me was when I realized that the the, the midwives weren't available. Yeah. to do like for that post because I really wanted a sacred postpartum. I wanted someone thereafter and I just couldn't find anyone that would do that service. So I kind of realised, well, if there's a need to seek care afterwards i always can and like a bit like my pregnancy you know if at any time i wanted to present to the system they would have me yeah um they're they're not going to turn me away we are lucky that we live in australia where that care is accessible Mm -hmm. um so i felt the same way with um if you know i really felt like i wanted some care after for myself or my baby then i could get it yeah. But I would maybe make that decision closer. And then what did happen was I did start to get towards the end of the pregnancy, I did start to kind of realise that, like to kind of not think about it and be like, oh, I've got ages to go. I've got ages to go. I'll deal with that later. Um, but, yeah, that, I, I didn't have ages to go. Sorry, I could jump back. I remember the last bit, what my fear was. I didn't have any normal fear. Like as in, I went to a, a free birth circle that where people were talking about their fears, and I really probably should have had more fear around things that you know, like hemorrhaging, perhaps, or yeah. tearing, or um, complications like you know, a nuchal hand or something. But I didn't. I my genuine fear throughout the whole process was how I was going to register her. Like, wow. and that sounds ridiculous, but that became my like focus i was like okay well how am i going to get her birth certificate quickly how am i going you know because i don't know why and maybe it was just a distraction but i really Mm -hmm. like i i I was like well how's she gonna get a blue book and like you know all of these little how am i gonna register and that was actually a question that lots of people asked me and i was like oh my god you i don't and i have the answer now like it actually really wasn't hard at all (laughs) but that was like a fear that i had um And I feared that not having sort of that paperwork and not being super radical about that. You know, I know lots of people don't register their children or don't want um, them in the system. And that's perfectly valid um, choice for families. Um, But I was just like, oh, no, I just want a birth certificate. Like, I just want (laughs) to... No, yeah. like it. I just want to, that was like my, that was my little fear that I had to work through. And trust me, I had to work through like why that oh, little pixie, <laughs> I had to work through why that was a, a fear, you know, because I have spent my entire life in the in the system and um, I don't know, I, I guess I couldn't let it go even in a free birth. I guess I did. And then it became a bit of like how I could beat the system, not beat the system because I didn't do anything. Illegal, but I was like, "How quickly can I get this birth certificate?" And I got it in six weeks. It was really easy. Wow.
0: Okay. New South
1: Wales, is, yeah, New South Wales is really good compared to other states, I will say. So it says something. Anyway, but we can jump to the birth now. I hope that didn't get too
0: yeah. So how are you feeling in those last few days? You've worked through all your fears. You've decided you're free birthing. You you've, you're feeling more intuitive and connected to yourself than ever before.
1: Yeah. Um. I did. Like, you know, you get to that end, I think there's like a hormonal drop or something around 34, 36 weeks yeah. um, where I didn't get scared of free birthing but I did – the fear that came up was like, you know, am I wrong and everyone mm. else is right? Yeah. Is this like – but no, I wasn't scared about like the birth or anything going wrong. I was just kind of like I'll deal with it when it comes. Like there was mm. a bit of like me just pushing it aside in terms of that last time – um my like I, I didn't do anything and it just happened so like I'll deal with it when it happens if you know what I mean like yeah. I it's, and that that is a bit of I guess my brain protecting myself on really spiraling into the what-ifs mm-hmm. um and people would say to me like you know oh this one this birth, you know it might be totally different like so my son was born at 36 and five um and I just kind of was like yeah no I'm gonna have this baby on the more earlier side of normal as well because mm-hmm. I had I did have to really think I didn't have to but often in the free birth community there's questions around it what gestation will we birth we free birth at home yeah. um you know uh, and I really do think that that is such a personal decision and for me based on the, my first birth, um, his weight of 3.2 kilos, and the fact that he was, you know, had a score of nine, however they score it, and he had no issues and required no anything. For me, I was happy with that after 35 weeks. You know, I don't didn't think he she would come that early, but yeah, it was 37 and three. Um, those five days leading up, I knew she was coming. I knew Did she was you? coming. Oh, yes. So on the on the day that she um, – I had in my head like, oh, September 1st would be great. Little September baby, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't want to get your hopes up either. Everyone says, you know, you might go to 40-plus weeks. And in the free birth community, you know, lots of women go to 43 weeks, 44 mm-hmm. even. Um, so I'm like, I can't get my hopes up. But the week she was born, I – I just scheduled a lot of things that I really like for me, you know, the foot rub. Um, I had a blow dry love the day it. off yeah. and like I love blow dries, hair blow dries. They're just, they give me life. And, um, yeah, so I scheduled a few of those little pampering me things in um, to really get those oxytocin levels high. Um I was quite attached to the narrative that my waters would break first again. Um, so that becomes important in my labor story because they didn't <laughs> this time.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and, um, so it was it was a really different labor, but I did um, have her at 37 and 3. so there's only like a few days between um, gestations for yes. my son and her um yeah so I had a blow dry I had a little chat with a with a local doula um about potential postpartum care because I hadn't engaged anyone at that point you know I thought maybe I could still have a few weeks I'll go and have a chat with her and see what she is like and she was lovely (laughs) so I was like happy talking about birthy things I had my blow dry went home it was a Friday and put my son to bed but I didn't want to go to um, go to sleep that night like you know pregnancy I was a bit tired towards the end you know I'd often go to bed with my son Mm. um, around eight or nine o'clock but this time I was like oh let's let's watch a movie and Um, My husband is, like, military, so he watches war movies and I'm a Disney princess. So we don't really, like, watch a lot of movies together because we have total opposite tastes. Mm. But I was like, let's watch a movie Um, and I'll bounce on the ball. Um, I couldn't bounce on the ball much in this pregnancy because my toddler, every time I got it out, (laughs) my toddler Um, wanted to bounce on the ball, you know, the big balls. Yeah. And he just wanted, like, he wanted to sit on me while I was, like, on it and being pregnant, I was like, oh, no. So I I was like, I'm going to get the ball out and we're going to watch a movie. And, you know, I was just in this happy place. And I'd had, like, some, like, warmth, tightenings that day. Like, when I was having the blow dry, oh, it was heavenly. It was – two like two burly men were doing it and it was like a really strong blow dry and I was like I don't want to be weird guys but oh I can feel like some things happening like down below not contractions just like little cramps I guess
0: yeah
1: um and I was feeling those cramps sort of throughout that day and the day before just really mild cramps that um Yeah, not contractions, but, like, things were happening, you know, the things that they say can happen for weeks or, you know, not at all. So, I didn't read too much into it Um, and we watched the movie and then it was about midnight when the movie stopped and I was like, "Mm, these are now, like, more than cramps. (laughs) Like, these are, I didn't even want to use the contractions. They were tightenings, Mm. but they were quite far apart, um, 10 to 15 minutes apart and I was like, I just was in, in, like, this was not like my son's labour, if that makes sense. Like, his labour, water's broke, the tightening's increased quite quickly and then, uh, you know, he came out. Whereas these were, like, on and off. So I was Googling things like, you know, how long can early labour start and prodromal labour or however you say it. You know, am I going to be doing this, you know, every night for the next five nights or something? Yeah. I was like, oh, just um, maybe I'll try and come to bed. And I tried to go to bed and I was cuddling my son and I could barely, I couldn't lay still through a through a tightening, I'll call them. Yeah. Um, I couldn't lay still through them. So I, I laid through two and then I was like, no, I'll just go up. I'll, I'll go out. And I had um, put up the pool the day before, the birth pool, and um, So that was out there in the playroom and there were fairy lights up and I'd had a beautiful birth altar. Um, But I went out there and I was like, well, if this is like early labour, I'll just just be out here and I'll put some music on and we'll just see how things go. (laughs) But I really – there was this real thought process in my head that this wasn't real. So, like, I didn't light the beautiful mother candle that I had. I was like, no, no, it's not time for that Um, and it's not – yeah, it's it, – there was a real sort of denial because my waters didn't break, hadn't broken. So, yeah, I just thought maybe, you know, lots of women go have lab, long labours. So this was my turn. I don't know what I thought, but it was really – like it wasn't real. Um, And then I, you know, I had a playlist organised of this beautiful I Love Celtic music. I No, apparently I just needed – 90s bangers I was like right (laughs) we're putting that on and I was sort of dancing um in in the back room I've got a big playroom with these gorgeous play mats but are like you know foam mats so they're so soft and I was just dancing away and in the meantime I was also kind of like I know lots of things about birth now but because I'd never timed contractions before for myself so I was like are these like what? What's meant? You know, people use apps, don't they? Should I get an app? Like, is are these contractions? You know, what what's happening? There was this real kind of like mind boggling question. So I was googling. You know, uh, contractions ten minutes apart, like painful, <laughs> like silly silly questions. Like um, uh, that gave me no answers. You know, I was texting my sister in, who lives interstate and going. I don't know what this is, but uh, you know, and she's like, maybe it's Braxton Hicks, and I'm like, no, I don't think it's that, but it it could also go on, like I don't know, um, I don't know what what's going on. I'll just go through them. Um, with Wally's labor, like it's so, it was just so hard for my brain not to compare the two. Um, and I don't know if all women do that, but this, like, with his labor, I didn't drink any water or go to the toilet or anything like that whereas this labor i was drinking constantly and i constantly needed to go to the toilet which i found so annoying because every time i went to the toilet my waters didn't break so it just kind of further served that i was this wasn't real
0: yeah because
1: okay. in my it looked head i was like no yeah, like your waters break and then the contractions start or like maybe you'll have some contractions but then your waters will break, then it will ramp up, like then it will, you know, and then another couple of hours you will have a baby um, after your waters break. So every time I went to the toilet I was like, come on then, like if this is happening, show me it's happening. Like nope. And then I would go and um, I worked out I was sort of having two contractions per song and every song was like three to four minutes, right? Like and then I'm like, I don't know, is that close? (laughs) <laughs> um i've got a birth comb though let me try that oh that was that was excellent that was great highly recommend <laughs> i didn't think that they would work but they they did
0: mm.
1: um that really helped um and yeah it's a it's a quick story from here shall i continue yeah the
0: story? Yeah, definitely. yeah
1: um yeah so i didn't clock watch or anything but i did sort of look at the time and it was like 2 or 3 a.m. and I was like gosh my back is really hurting like maybe I've got a hot water bottle because you know I've got a drawer of all things ready to go including this big birth pool that's still you know it's empty (laughs) so I'm like I'll get a I'll get a hot water bottle like so I was able to boil the kettle and like fill a hot water bottle in mid contractions again which sort of served that like this wasn't real like it wasn't hardcore enough because i was able to do that if that makes sense you know if Mm. i can pour boiling water into a hot water bottle um and let me tell you when i put it on my back oh that was heaven it was so good (laughs) i was Mm. like why is this labor all in my back so it was um very different labor with wally it was kind of that all over fire feeling Um, and really loud and vocal, whereas this one, there was two contractions really quickly and then there was a rest and it was all in my back. Um, So I used the comb, the hot water bottle on my back was amazing and I was like, I won't wake Justin up until like 4 or 5 o'clock because I need him to be with Wally. So I just continued to labour in my son's playroom (laughs) with the comb and the hot water bottle. Um, Until I really needed help to hold the hot water bottle um, on my back. So I woke my husband up. I was like, I just need your help. Um, And he came out. And it's funny. The poor guy, like, he's listened to me talk about birth, you know, for (laughs) nine months preconception you know so for two and a half years I've talked about birth and Mm -hmm. you know all the possible scenarios of what you know the labor will look like it'll probably look the same but like if I say this you know if I beg for the hospital you know perhaps I'm in transition you know but don't listen to me I'd given him all this all these briefs so he he's listened to me for this long um and I finally get him out and I'm like I need your help to hold the hot water bottle on my back (laughs) because I can't you know move and reach at the same time and so he lays on the ground and he and he holds it that he lays behind me and it's like this beautiful moment where he's like laying behind me and he's pushing the um hot water bottle on my back with his belly and holding me and it was just oh it was so nice it was so lovely but I would have these big breaks in like there was always a rest Mm. after the two contractions in which I was really coherent and I started to say things like, I'm going to be doing this all day, tomorrow, like, the next day. Um, you know, why did I do, choose this path? You know, <laughs> even if I went to the hospital, even if I went there now, or if I had a midwife, they would just tell me I'm not far enough along. Like, I I was saying this to him. And I truly in that moment believed it, like, that if I went, okay, like, if let's go to the hospital, they would just send me back home and be like, okay, go home and labor, like, I just had no idea <laughs> I just was in and he said to me at that moment do you think maybe you're in transition <laughs> to which I like reply I'm like of course not like listen to the conversation that we're having like and you know then I like ran I'm like I'm so coherent I'm like we need to organize care for Wally tomorrow like I'm going to be doing this tomorrow oh, also I've googled like the Kmart scale So, like, you're going to need to pick that up because we'll probably have a baby in the next couple of days. Like, this is the conversation I'm having in the middle of – but then I'm like, okay, maybe fill the birth pool up, like, just in case because my back is, like, really – there's a lot happening in my back area. That, of course, like, we have no – he has no experience filling up a birth pool. I don't know how long it takes. I would love to know, (laughs) people out there, how long did it take you to fill up the birth pool? After what felt like an eternity, I was like, you need to get back here. I need your help. Um, let's go in the bath. I haven't even gone in the shower. Let's go in the bath. You know, there's still water in it from the night before because we didn't, we didn't um, unfeel it. I'm like, let's, um, let's fill the water up in the bath, um, add some hot water. And we did that and I contracted, you know, three or four times on the way from the playroom to the bathroom. <laughs> that should have been my hint, but I really just didn't.
0: You're in denial almost. I was
1: like, well, my waters haven't broken. Um, And then so I go in the bath and that feels lovely. But, um, you know, it's a bath. Mm. And that's when I kind of like I can feel her moving. And and one thing that I, you know, didn't do with my birth with Wally, um, you know, people often say or give the advice, you know, check in with your baby while you're in labour. And I can't remember doing that with Wally. Um, He... You know, I didn't feel him moving throughout that labour, whereas I was constantly feeling Pixie move in this labour. And when I went in the bath, I could just feel her legs up super high and that's when I was like to Justin, oh, do you think she's, like, posterior? I think she's posterior because, like, her legs were, like, we felt like they were wiggling up near my chest like, and they they were. So I'm like, can you just feel her? And I didn't know what that meant. Or if that meant anything, you know, I still don't. It's only nine weeks ago. Like I'm still thinking about what that means or, you know, if that had meant anything. And she was definitely posterior. Um, But after about half an hour in the bath, I was like, I can't do this. Like it's too confining. It's a hard bath. My back hurts. And um, (laughs) Justin again with his – because we're having full conversations mid-contractions as well. And he's saying things like, I think she's going to come when the sun comes up, you know, really beautiful things. I don't know what he was saying in my brain. I was like, we need to get care for our son because I'm going to be doing this for the next 12 hours. But of course, um, I stood up and my water's broke. And I said, my water's broke, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but not this gush. Like it wasn't this gush. It was just this kind of like pop. My water's broke. And then, fetal ejection reflex I was about to learn that that is a real thing <laughs> I hadn't really like been vocal because I was really we were talking but I had didn't want to wake you know my son up with with my whales um so I I stood up my waters broke I put my foot on the edge of the bath and I could see in the mirror and I was like oh, and that was when I just went oh like she's coming she's coming and I it was like a big you know, like whale, like, oh, and I watched, like I felt like I watched it in the mirror, like across, like her little head just like, and then in one full swift reflex, like I didn't, in my head I was like, wait for the next contraction to push, but it was like this involuntary bearing down and I bear down and she just, she shot out. Wow. And in that moment, my son does rouse and I go, no, no, like, Justin, you can't leave me. I need you to help me catch her, like, because I'm on, I was standing over a bath, you know, like, <laughs> and she came that fast. But I don't know how he did it. But in that moment, he helped me catch her. And then he passed me and she had the cord, like, a little bit around her neck and I just pulled it out of the way. And she was so pink and wow. it was amazing. And she was here. And then suddenly my husband had – my son in his arms and he was just yawning going, oh, good morning. (laughs) Like, good morning. And then there's that's the only video footage I have is that Justin's video, those first moments where I'm just standing in the bath holding this brand new baby covered in vernix, by the way, covered in vernix. Like that was my son wasn't, um, she was just this pink like vernix covered little baby that just was in my arms. Like it was just so normally – normal yeah
0: like
1: not it was just this denial labor that I just kept thinking it's going to get so much worse but it didn't and then she was here and then I was like oh I was in labour. That, that was it. Like, I was in, like, like, and then, like, you know, nine weeks later, I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, what, what are you all those conversations? Yeah,
0: I feel like I hear it a lot, though, and I guess for me when I hear it, I, I, I feel like it's your body's way of – almost putting you in this state of denial so that you don't think about it too much. You know, yeah. if you don't believe it's happening, you're not going to overthink it and then stress yourself out in some way. So yeah. to me, whenever I hear a woman that is in definite labor, but is in denial of it, I always have that sense of like, that is exactly where you were meant to be for your labor to progress, you know?
1: That makes sense. That. Really makes sense because I'm just, I just, you know, in hindsight and with the things that my husband was saying, um, you know, and he's never seen birth before, apart from our first son, you know, he he knew what was going on, but I was just like, I guess, yeah, protecting myself because I really, I thought that it would just go on, you know, mm. I don't know what I thought, and I think one thing that probably did get into my head during pregnancy, a lot of people and a lot of wise women we saying, and I understand what they mean now, but like, you know, don't have expectations about this birth. It can be very different. And I really kind of was like, no, 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 like, no, it's not. And there were elements that I was completely right about. Um, You know, she was this beautiful girl called Pixie and she was born at 37 weeks and um, it was at night. My son did stay asleep. You know, so many things were yeah. true. But there was, you know, the back labour was very different and my waters didn't break first, you know. So I understood what they were saying. But I think what I translated that to in my head was like maybe you will be in labour for 24 hours, mm. you know, and yeah. you have to prepare for that. So I think that that was what what was happening.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, um, which is interesting. But, yeah, it was, um, yeah, she was, it was here. And then um, the center? Yeah, well, the fetal ejection reflex was really like powerful and fast. Like it wasn't there wasn't there was just one, and she was totally out. And I remember again, my brain was just on. It was it was on fire. (laughs) I was like, I need to have you know the same environment for the placenta birth. You know, really calm, quiet. But and I can see now in pictures, I was like, I'll just sit up on the couch with her and latch her. But I couldn't get comfortable Um, and I can see in pictures now that it was it was already half out Mm. so I was like okay just get the placenta bowl the heaviest bowl in the world I don't know why I picked that one Um, and I put it underneath me and just went okay let's just say goodbye to the placenta thank you for your job and then I just bared down and it came came out (laughs) out. and then I was like wow okay that's (laughs) That's amazing. <laughs> like, um, And she – it's really interesting because, like, um, you know, I've seen lots of birth videos and, you know, you watch all those home births of, of how the baby, like, transitions earthside and all that. But she just was sort of pink and she was just – her eyes were open and, I don't know, she was, she was there. Like, someone said to me, like, did she cry? I'm like, I don't think so. Like, no, she just was – there was no doubt in my mind that she was absolutely perfectly fine. Like I didn't need to rub her down or or anything um, to sort of stimulate anything. She just was perfect. Yeah, like I just knew and, and that innate, you know, I did I, I guess worry at some point like, you know, as a mother you, you go, oh, will I know, will I actually know if something's wrong? You know, that was a, a fear I guess that did come up throughout the pregnancy and you know would i know if there was something really wrong mm. but like you just know like you just you just know like i just knew she was totally fine and she latched on and we fed and <laughs> the placenta we kept attached to her about um four or five hours and the only <laughs> the only reason we really cut it was i've got a toddler and um <laughs> the really heavy placenta bowl, like, he was just so excited jumping around <laughs> near the bed and the the, wob- the bowls like, wobbling so the placenta, like, <laughs> falls on the floor. <laughs> Lucky I had a long cord. It's <laughs> not a super long cord, but, like, it fell off the bed on the floor and I'm like, oh, God, we might need to cut it because I've got a t- – I think if we had a – because I had the, you know, um, the cord-burning stuff all ready to go, like, whatever we saw in the moment, like, I didn't think too much about the placenta. I just went – whatever we feel called to, like, I think if it was my first birth, I would have liked to have burnt the cord, but with a very active two-year-old, I was like, let's just, let's just cut it. <laughs> yeah. Let's just cut it. Um, and, and that was felt right for, for us in that, in that moment. Um, but yeah, and then it was done. And then I thought, oh, I better FaceTime some family and just let them know. <laughs> let yeah. them know. Um, but I didn't do that till like, yeah, I, I did text my sister though. Um, or I asked Justin, I was like, just text. Cause the last message we'd sent was, you know, at the beginning of real contractions where I was like, I don't know what this is, but whatever this is, I can do it. And she was like, you got
0: this girl. Like, <laughs> and then the next message is
1: just like, she's here. Oh, so, bless.
0: Yeah, it
1: was, um yeah.
0: Good. Do you do anything special with your placentas?
1: Um, I really, you know, I, I even in my first birth, bizarrely, when I didn't know anything about birth, I did want to encapsulate it, but I thought I had more time in my first birth. Um, uh, sorry, pregnancy. Um, where so this time I did um have it made into a smoothie, um, encapsulated and in tincture. I yeah, awesome. Don't, I don't regret that. That was what I wanted to do. I didn't. Um, I had a bit of an adverse reaction to that. It didn't. Um, wasn't my jam. I tried it. Interesting. Um, it was really interesting because I didn't know, I'd only really heard positive things and I don't regret doing that. Like I had the most beautiful placenta alchemist. She just like treated it with such reverence and like made art out of it. Like I had the full deluxe treatment <laughs> for this beautiful placenta um, and I, I don't regret that but I didn't, um, my body didn't like it inside me (laughs) so Mm. I'm gonna have another little ceremony with that a bit later on I think
0: and do you feel like this is your family complete or are you gonna enter that birth portal again
1: oh it's so it's (laughs) so hard I think in a past life I must have had like 15 children because I feel like I will be that woman that never feels done um yeah we'll see um my husband's retired now Um, we've got this beautiful little family so we'll just see how we go maybe we're complete
0: um if you were to go back would you free birth again or is there any would you get a midwife like what would be your choice no
1: i would definitely free birth again i would probably pay for a birth keeper throughout pregnancy um wild pregnancies is amazing too um it it is very peaceful it's almost boring um Mm -hmm. And for that reason, like, it, it does isolate you slightly, um, you know, when when you do have a midwife or a, whatever, you, you go to appointments and you chat about birth. And even though there are so many horror stories in the system, you've still got someone going, oh, how are you feeling? You know, like, mm. and so I, did, I do think about maybe if I would have someone regular to sort of check in with because it, it can be exhausting all that radical responsibility. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not so much just like for that check-in and maybe um people have friends that they can do that with that maybe I didn't I just kept it to myself a lot yes. um but I definitely would free birth again I'm curious as to like oh what would that labor be like you know because mm. I feel like the labors of my two children were totally different mm. um still amazing but like like really different and I'm like what would the next one be like you know um so that that would be something that but I don't know we'll see um but you do I really do think that you you know it sounds like a cliche but you you do what you what you want to do or what like how you feel you know like sometimes particularly with like free birth it's kind of all or nothing. Whereas like I really do feel like every day just check in with yourself and like whatever you're feeling and like maybe next pregnancy I would feel different. I don't know. Yeah,
0: but true.
1: I, I do think that birthing I would I would definitely just that would always be a family event yeah. for me. I don't I couldn't think of anyone, even my most dear friend, I don't think yeah. I think that works better as a family event for me anyway. Yeah.
0: Definitely. And looking at your entire journey, what would be some of your key pieces of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening? I think
1: um, really learning, like, the voice of your intuition, Mm. and like, um, and what intuition your intuition feels like and sounds like, like how you can really determine, like, whether that is. Intuition or or anxiety, <laughs>
0: like um, how did you determine that?
1: I know it was really hard, and uh, um, I think because I had really practiced it and worked um, a lot on that with people before I conceived. So, like mm. the main bit was that anxiety falters; anxiety goes back and forth. So, anxiety goes, well, maybe it's this, or maybe it's that, or you don't know this, or like it goes back and forth. Whereas yeah. your intuition is strong and clear. So, one I would do often when I was pregnant was like so for example I got itchy palms at the end of my pregnancy right (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my gosh is that cholestosis you know I've got lesions on my river is there something you know I did go into that little spiral um you know privately in my head and in my house um but that's What I learned is anxiety will do that. What if it's this? What if it's that? And then I would stop and be like, is there anything wrong? Do you feel that there's anything wrong? And then there would be this strong no. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, Mm. anxiety falters, whereas my intuition is steady. Yeah,
0: I love
1: that. uh, So that that takes a lot of work and only you can decide, like, only you know what your intuition feels like or sounds like. But, um, yeah. That that really tap into your intuition and and how you feel um, every day, like even before you're pregnant. <laughs> like, how do you feel about that? Okay, like, I feel this way. Um, that that's probably the best advice, particularly for anyone who is contemplating a, a, a birth out of the system. Because yes, there really isn't anyone to talk to except to yourself. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, Although there are some amazing birth keepers, <laughs> so mm. like, you can talk to them. But, um, yeah, so that would be my advice is really connect with your intuition and that will serve you, I guess, in all aspects of your in your life. Yeah, um, totally. I did think I would become this, like, powerful, wise woman after I free birthed um, and I would be like, yeah, look what I did. Like, I'm so cool. Like, and there is an element of that. But I also just am still myself. Like it's mm. it was just this positive, beautiful, normal experience that I think that yeah. I don't I don't have any profound wisdom. My first birth, I I feel more like awakened by my first birth. And that yeah. was, you know, in a hospital um with a fully medicalized pregnancy I was like yeah like that that Mm. transformed me into that and awakened me whereas this one was like yeah that was amazing but like cool what are we doing tomorrow like yeah um, (laughs) it's like and it doesn't make it any less incredible like it's still incredible but it really is um quite normal
0: Uh, Yeah. yeah Wow, what a journey you've had, hey? You've gone from, you know, give me the epidural, somebody yep. else decide all the, all my decisions for me yep. to complete autonomous birth in your own home, catching your own baby, just you and your husband. Mm-hmm. What an incredible journey. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Marie, and sharing it with us.
1: No, thank you so much for having me.
0: That brings us to the end of today's episode. What an inspiring journey Marie has had from living in fear throughout her pregnancy to experiencing a pretty much accidental physiological birth in the hospital. I think we can all agree that had the hospital not been as busy as they were that Marie's birth story would have unfolded very differently but it didn't, she was able to experience a true physiological birth and in doing so, this unveiled to her the inner power within and set her on the path to reconnect with herself. I am so deeply moved by this story and I hope you are too. It again highlights the incredible power of birth and how it can transform you by revealing just how strong you truly are, which then obviously has that roll on effect into all aspects of your life. If you enjoyed today's story, we would love to hear your thoughts over on the PBA Instagram. And please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe on your podcast platform. Your feedback is invaluable in helping us to continue to share empowering stories each week and support women on their journey to birthing in their power. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. We will be back next week for another episode of PBA. Until then, take care, stay curious, and continue to embrace the beauty of God.